Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. If you're getting to know me a bit, you realize I, I'm quite an emotional chap. Um, I'm not frightened of it. I'm not apologizing for it. God's emotional. You think he is? I think so. Somebody got it definitely. God's God is love. Kind of tricky to do unemotional love. <laughs> Doesn't build a good marriage. I like the fact that I'm part of the Bride of Christ, don't you? That's an emotional engagement. Isn't it beautiful? I get used to it. I'd go over it. I'm a, I'm a guy. Being part of the Bride is kind of a girl thing, isn't it? But it's a boy. <clears throat> Jesus was filled with joy. Isn't that amazing? That's an emotion. Do you know how he was filled with joy? Some people think, oh, just, he's Jesus. That says he was filled with joy by the Holy Spirit. Ooh, isn't that cool? <laughs> Jesus is our model of Christianity, isn't he? He's actually, he's, he was a human being. Jesus wept. Every now and then it seemed he even got frustrated. Are we allowed to say that? <laughs> he did. I'm going to read a passage just show. He got frustrated, but he didn't live in frustration. He always found a way. Yeah. Think Jesus was ever disappointed? That's a few of you. <laughs> I'm just these very simple questions, which actually, but see, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, "Guys, can you pray for me?" <laughs> Comes back. And, and they're asleep. Oh, come on, guys. So he says, come on. And it, <laughs> I think it happens three times, doesn't it? <clears throat> Good job God sent the angels instead. He needed comforting. Isn't that amazing? Do you ever need comfort? Now I'm going to talk a bit about that. How many of you have ever been disappointed by God not delivering on what you'd hoped for? Everyone. Last night we were talking about <coughs> compassion and love. And, uh, today we're going to talk about faith. <coughs> okay, these two, these two are key fundamental spiritual ingredients. And um, in Galatians chapter 5, I think verse 6, it says that there's one thing that matters. It says, faith expressing itself through love. Or love expressing itself through faith. Can't it. But it says these two things. You know, in, um, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about that you can have faith to move mountains. How many of you like faith to move mountains? 
want to move a mountain. But you haven't got love? Says you're nothing. Wow. Look pretty important if you move a mountain. That, and I, I shared my story last night, some of that, of how that was true for me. You know, I had faith that could move a mountain, and somehow I ended up in a place where I was nothing. And then God met me in the most extraordinary way. <coughs> and he loves me. <coughs> it, there's... <coughs> There are no perfect Christian songs, you know that? No, no perfect worship songs? So this is not a critique on worship songs, but some of them annoy me. <laughs> and, and when one annoys me, I think, oh, come on, Pete, get over it. But sometimes they annoy me so much that I know that God's saying something to me. And uh, <laughs> so there's this, this song... Oh, this is one, one, one way around. I think one song that got, got, got me out. It, it, it went, went a different direction. It was, um, I'm not sure if it's ever made it across the, the, the Atlantic, but it was, it was in English. It said, no one else can love you like I love you, God. It sounds quite, hmm. Oh, somebody knows it. <laughs> I'm not very good at singing, so I won't try, but it's almost, it, you know, it sounds kind of arrogant, doesn't it? No one else. It's, it, it's only arrogant when you use it in a comparative context. Because it says, it goes on to say, because I was made unique in your eyes. <laughs> but that's one, so I, that was a positive one. But there was, there was another one, which, the song, which, <laughs> going back a bit further, that, that said, there was, it, I will never understand why you love me. Have you ever seen that song? Wacky and shaking his head, so obviously maybe this one didn't make it across the pond. It's this beautiful, and I see people with their hands lifted up high. And I, I will never understand why you love me. I'm thinking, I do understand why he loves me. Because <laughs> what that means is, I don't understand why you love me, God, which is all about me. How can you love me? Well, the way he loves me is he's God. <laughs> the outpouring of his love has got nothing to do with me. It's him. He is love. And the Bible tells me he cannot deny his nature. So, do you know he loves me in my good days? He loves me in my bad days? And in my, probably one of my darkest moments that I explained to you last night, he loved me in a way that was so overwhelming that I knew what it was to love unconditionally and to live in that reality. And I said last night, what does it, what does it look like to, to create an atmosphere of, <coughs> of uh, unconditional love? And so freedom is a massive topic for us at Eastgate. And can we just run the... Video free to be. Oh, they're over there somewhere. Free to be. Free to be. This is a unapologetic promo.
So our free to be podcast, and um, you can find it on the Eastgate Plus YouTube channel. It's got a number of churches of friends in the, in the UK. We're, we're exploring what does it mean to be free. Galatians five verse one said it was for freedom. Christ set us free. Yeah. That verse used to confuse me when I was a younger Christian. I thought just saying the same thing. It it's not. Uh, basically. There's a, there's a difference between being free from something and free to be something. Okay? <clears throat> and and those, those two, two phrases exist on different sides of the cross. How much are you free from? Not looking. I know sometimes you might be frightened in case I'm trying to catch you out. I'm not... <laughs> I'll make it easier for you. How much of your sin is gone? Really? Well, even the stuff you haven't committed yet. That's the bit that most people struggle with. Well, what if I struggle? What if I... This is the present and that's the future. I'm confident that that sin's gone. Yeah? But... (laughs) How many of you know you might be likely to sin over here? Yeah? Is it already forgiven? Yeah. No, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> just, just to help you frame it, when Jesus died on the cross, all your sin was in the future. <laughs> None of it surprises him. So you come and go, oh, he's not going to be surprised, man. He's not going to be <laughs> He's set you free from everything, so you're free to be glorious, powerful, a world changer, miracle worker, receiver of revelation, leading thousands and millions of people into freedom. That's why we produced this podcast. It's called Free to Be Out. We've basically got 10 things. We, we, we battle out things. Well, what's authority look like for free people? What's authority look like for free people? Do you want me to give you a tip on that one? This wasn't in the plan, okay? So I thought, but you, I, I have two years of sermons waiting for you, and you're going to get <laughs> as, as many as I can in. We might say, okay. <clears throat> Just think of it. Kingdom of darkness... Kingdom of light, okay? <clears throat> Jesus has given us, human beings, who are born again, every authority over every aspect of darkness. Yeah. Is there one bit of darkness that your light cannot extinguish? No. no. Okay? So isn't it stupid when you go somewhere and say, oh, it's really spiritually dark here. <laughs> wow, this place is tough, man. Wow, you should see Austin. Oh, my goodness. We've got so much stuff going on. It's really hard here. When I first started working, I've got a network of churches in France, and people said, oh, it's really hard there. 
Oh, Nick, I go, do you mean you haven't got any light? <laughs> it's like really dark now. See, see I, <clears throat> um, if I get home at, at night to my house and it's dark, I'm not worried. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so, I'm thinking, oh man, those demons. They're raining in my house right now. It is so dark. If you go to my house and I said that, I, I just spread a certain amount of feet. This guy's strange. In Austin, we have electricity. I said, I'm wandering into my house. And I said, dark, boom, light. That's not possible. That's, that's just reality. That's, that's me. I, I'm. <laughs> Come on, <get> in. <laughs> See, some people think, oh, medical world, that's tough. No, it's not. Come on. <laughs> Light works there just as much. <laughs> just what you need to know is wisdom in every situation. And if you lack wisdom, God gives it to you. Generously, now this is beautiful, without finding fault. Isn't that good? So you might think, oh, I've had a really tough day. No, no Bible study today. I haven't prayed for three weeks. There's no way God's going to give me wisdom. He doesn't work like this. He, he, he works without finding fault. Because on this side, this side of the line, there is no fault for him to see. <laughs> So what really frustrates me is when Christians stand on this side and just all they can look about that side is the stuff that they used to think enslaved them or did enslave them and think it can still touch them. <laughs> now, what, it, what, what touches you is mindsets that make you think you're still living back there. Those are strongholds. I understand those. But you can break those. But you break those by taking every thought captive. So you are free to live over here. Now, that's what the adventure of faith looks like. Yeah? Jesus gave you saving faith. So you didn't have it. It's a gift. Yeah? He gave you a faith that took you to the moment of realization, repentance, salvation. But you're saved to live in the fullness and abundance of the life over here. And that happens by living by faith. Okay. Reasonably clear. Now, can we roll um, Luke's story video? I wanted to show you what an environment of unconditional love and faith looks like. This is a young man I know. Can you just pause it a moment? Just pause it. And what he's saying is that life's not worth living. It's a bit low. He says, my life is so terrible. It's not worth living. He's a 14-year-old with a terrible, terrible congenital disorder. Okay, roll it again. Thank you. 
He's about 18 years old now. <coughs> you, uh, one of my PAs is his godmother, so we know. And we know the backstory. The 14 years that he lived in hell, basically. <coughs> but what I, one thing I want to say is that for those 14 years, he was kept alive by some amazing medical care. I love the miracle at the end of the story. I love the fact that he was alive to receive his miracle. If you want to see the two that are working together, medicine and heaven can work together. Medicine's aligned with the purposes of heaven. Precisely. What happened? Luke? The light overcame his darkness. If you can create an atmosphere <coughs> of such brilliant light, unconditional love and faith, then literally what the Bible says, nothing will be impossible for you. <coughs> During the um, pandemic, we took up a, an offering for the healthcare workers uh, in our region. Uh, to give it away, just unconditionally give it away to them. And uh, I was somewhat overwhelmed by the response of my, <laughs> my beautiful church family. And we hadn't met together for, for about a year at that time. We, we were separated out doing the stuff online, so, so I wasn't quite sure how it would go. And uh, I, my church family gave £80,000 for us to give away unconditionally to the health world around us. 
to the local hospitals, the community services, other stuff. And we go away saying, this is yours, do what, what you want with. Well, a lot of them said, well, we'd, we'd love to interact with you. And a number of them chose to say, <clears throat> what we'd really appreciate is if you could do a celebratory English tea in your Eastgate building, because we so appreciate what you're doing for us. So these people came in, <coughs> and uh, we spoiled them rotten. We did everything. We went way, way above. And these people, I watched them crying as they were given their cream tea. Because they'd felt so overwhelmed by the pressure of the COVID reality. <coughs> so overwhelmed by the reality of death facing them every day. It's really tough, you know, when it's tough facing death every day anyway. But when you don't have the soft comfort edges of family visiting and stuff like that, they carried it all. I watched them weep as they were celebrated. <coughs> and then <coughs> there were three, three people who organized one of these celebratory uh, meals with our staff. Uh, two of them were senior nurses and one was an administrator. And at this event, all three of them came up to me separately and said, look, <coughs> don't quite understand it, but whenever I come into your building, all my worries disappear. <laughs> so all the stress goes off. Independently, all three of them. Then these two nursing, senior nursing staff said, we now come here for lunch because this is where we can get our respite. See, what, they, what are they choosing to come into? The light. Freedom. We had a lady turn up for professional counselling. We have a professional counselling service, which is open Christians, non-Christians alike. And it was, uh, it was a Sunday, actually. And um, I don't know what her issues were, because obviously it's all confidential. Anyway, she walked in to Eastgate on a Sunday morning, went to our reception desk, <coughs> got pointed off for room where she was having a counselling. She got in with the counsellor and she said, the counsellor said, uh, I don't know what just happened to me. But, but all my worries have just gone. And I'm not sure what I'm going to say to you now. say about authority. Authority, you have authority over every aspect of darkness. You don't have authority over people. You have a responsibility to love people. One of the reasons that people avoid church is they think you're going to be trying to control them. <laughs> Through various mechanisms, guilt, fear, shame, manipulation, all sorts of stuff. That's other side. <clears throat> Sometimes Christians get confused. You can destroy darkness. You, you're not meant to destroy people. When remember when James and John said, "Hey, we're going to call out fire from heaven." <laughs> Jesus, we're going to be like Elijah. 
What did Jesus say to them? He said, you're the wrong spirit. I find it interesting he didn't say, don't be stupid, you can't do that. He didn't say they didn't have that power or authority. He just said, you're going about this the wrong way. <laughs> Faith that can move mountains, but have not love. That's a clanging symbol. <clears throat> Do you know you've got a river inside you? I know that there's a sort of an external river we enjoy and jump in together. So it's all right. So I'm not counteracting. I love it. Getting in the river together. <clears throat> but I don't live with you 24-7. But I, I do live with another river, river 24-7. <laughs> He's here. <laughs> Jesus said that, didn't he? There's a river inside every one of you. He wants to flow. When does he want to flow? In, yeah. It, oh, well... It, Sunday mornings, river's really flowing. <laughs> you should see our river flowing. Oh, wow, again, that building, the river's flowing. It is. But if it doesn't flow out, it's not a river, it's a lake. Yeah. And if it doesn't have any outlet, it becomes a stinky lake. Because <laughs> Jesus said, I'm giving you a river that's going to overflow, overflow. So many sermons to fit in. The, I just want to tell you a bit about my my family. So this is this is this is important to you. I've yet dis- to discover the power of stopping the sun in the sky. So I get an extra hour. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. But that hour we lost, I want it back. Okay. So I, my family live in a culture. Hopefully over here. Okay. No, it's not that we're can't get contaminated and this is one concept I want you to get that the river of God is pure and wherever it flows there is life but is it possible for you to contaminate your river the answer is yeah that, that, that's, that's a <laughs> so broadly speaking my family live in, in the uh, supernatural environment of expectation so I remember David my son three um, when he was three years old <laughs> he was playing in a playing out the front uh, with a friend and uh, <clears throat> the friend fell over not Christian friend just a friend from next door and uh, his little friend had hurt himself but David was obviously concerned not so much for the hurt but the fact that play was being interrupted I think was uh, <laughs> so I watched him. I watched him just come close. I said, "Be healed in Jesus' name." Little Christopher hops up. Off they go and play. Hmm. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> um, when we were on holiday one time, first day of a holiday, uh, two-week holiday, and uh, we were in a rented accommodation um, which had a uh, cooking place, but it had one of these cookers where, when when it was hot, the hot plates didn't change colour. And Cooker just came and just cooked the meal, and David came over and he leant on on the plate with his with his right hand, and it immediately it immediately sizzled. The red the blisters started to, and he was howling in pain. This is not a good start to a holiday. 
we were going to go bowling later that day. Right-handed. So what do we do? <coughs> well, handing cold water, that's normal. Yeah. We prayed. Didn't pray, Kerry prayed. Kerry was about seven, eight, something like that at the time. Uh, I prayed. <coughs> and 20 minutes later, he had a completely normal hand. <laughs> and we went bowling, it was good. <laughs> Boyle Bay was not spoiled. In 2003, we faced a different challenge as a family. <clears throat> when my, my lovely mum was diagnosed with a very aggressive, nasty form of cancer. And... Uh, it was tough as a medical doctor because I knew the sort of cancer she had was incurable. Uh, it, was, it would respond to some degrees of palliative ter therapy, but not much at all, really. And uh, the end would be ugly. And that's not nice to know. Do you understand? Is it? Sometimes medical knowledge is not always fun knowledge. Um, now, I'm used to seeing... Now, so the miracles you heard last night, uh, baby been raised from the dead, that was all prior to this. I've seen, I've seen, but you know, it's, sometimes it's much tougher praying with your family, isn't it? Yeah. Right, do you know why? Because the, the, the negative emotions of, of anxiety and worry and fear creep in quickly. And they're things that can contaminate your river. <coughs> anyway, cut. Fast forward, um, and two years and a bit later, um, she was on the verge of death. And my mum loved Christmas, and she had one last wish, which was to have Christmas with her family. And she did. She, she came. My dad drove her to our, my house, and I carried her out of the, the car and, and put her in bed. And she was just skeletal at that moment. Um, and so we gathered around her bed from time to time. She wanted us to enjoy Christmas. She didn't want to spoil it. And that was her last wish. <coughs> and then uh, about three days later, we took her to the hospice where she would die. I have one last wish of my own. Which was to spend <coughs> New Year's Eve with my mum. Just her and me, one last time. And uh, <coughs> she, she sowed so much into my life, it's difficult to explain. And uh, as the clock came round to midnight, <coughs> we celebrated the new year. She took a sip of water through a straw. And I held her hand. And I prayed with her. We celebrated, <coughs> and then no more words passed between us. She slipped off towards death. She died a few days later. <coughs> Before she died, and um, she said to me, Pete, never stop praying for the sick. She's a born-again Christian. She wasn't offended by her death. That was a tough task for me because actually six days after she died, I was due to go to Peru 
on a mission trip where they were expecting the miracle working man. I didn't want to go. It wasn't what I needed at that moment in time, see? What I needed at that moment in time was comfort. And hope. And I was disappointed, to say the least. And discouraged. But what I know, what great faith looks like at that moment in time is running to your father for what you need. Great faith is, if you want to <laughs> say what it looks like, it, it, it's your connection with God. Yeah. And great faith in a moment of, like that is trusting him. Trusting him to restore. And, and he did. He comforted me. He didn't take away the loss. He comforted me. Six days later, I got on a plane to Peru. Still didn't really want to go, in all honesty. And, uh, and saw God do lots of miracles. Which leaves plenty of questions, doesn't it? Why? <coughs> Oops. So, one of those things, it led me on a, a bit of a journey. And I, <coughs> I wanted to find out the biblical answers as why God doesn't answer prayer. Has anybody done a Bible study on God doesn't answer prayer? No, I'm serious. It's quite an important thing because most people think they park it as if it's a mystery. It isn't. There are really clear biblical answers as to why our prayers don't get answered. Really clear. James chapter 1 says actually that if you want to ask, if you, ask, if you lack faith, ask for it. God will give it to you generously without finding fault. But don't doubt, it says actually. And it goes on to say because a double-minded man double-minded person won't receive anything. They think, well, that's a bit harsh. Now, if I explain, a double-minded is this, because it, it's actually, it, <coughs> I've got so little time to do this, a double-minded person who lives both sides of the cross. They live over here believing it, and they live over here thinking, no, I've got to work for it. I've got to work for it. I've got to I'll get it by grace. Because <laughs> it says, God gives generously without finding fault, but most of us like to think we can contribute our part. And this is this double-mindedness of, of, of performance mentality as opposed to unconditional love and grace that takes you into the endless adventure of faith is contested by our enemy because he knows the potential of living here and he'll try and drag us back there all the time. It's the age-old <coughs> battle of grace and legalism that, that's assaulted Christianity forevermore. Non-belief, okay? It's, it's there in the Old Testament when you had the 12 spies that went into the, the promised land. Their unbelief, literally their unbelief stopped them from entering into what God had promised. The disappointment would have been huge, but the promise was available. But their unbelief stopped them. <coughs> and um, so I was doing this and I was getting stuck. And this is what the book this book's been a long time coming. <laughs> When's that book coming out? And I don't know. Because um, I knew I couldn't explain it properly. There was a problem I had. I just wasn't quite... There was something missing. And basically, uh, I was in Eastgate one Sunday morning. Um, not preaching, not involved. So I was just sitting amongst the congregation as I enjoy doing if I'm not actually responsible for anything. Uh, just with my mates. <laughs> and and uh, I, said to, I said to God, God, I need your help. And he said, I know. Oh, good, thanks. 
<laughs> Thanks. Can you get him? Yeah. He, said, he said, okay, Pete, I want you to study the River Thames. Oh, really? Now, I've lived near the River Thames for a long, long, nearly all my life. So I studied the River Thames, and here's, here's what I found. This is really interesting. So the River Thames is this beautiful Thames, but in 1957, the River Thames was declared biologically dead. It, no life in it whatsoever. Now, I was born in 1958, so 1957, the, the river's dead, and it was classified scientifically dead. So there was, the oxygen levels were so low that no, no, it carried no life in it. Now, is that river designed to carry life? Yeah. Did it carry life? No, none. <clears throat> I, knew, I knew it didn't carry none. You certainly didn't want to swim in it, and the idea of fishing in it was just pointless. <laughs> now, Here's, here's the thing. Oh, goodness. Who contributed to that problem? Oh, wow. Well, loads and loads and loads and loads and loads, loads, loads of people. <laughs> so I want to take you to a Bible verse, and I'm definitely going to run over for a few minutes, but I know I, I'll get your license because you've got to get your kids. At, bring them back in. We'll have fun. <clears throat> the, Matthew 17 it says this, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. <laughs> okay, have you had that experience? Somebody's been brought to you, your disciples, Jesus, and you, you didn't get it over the line. Yeah. Many times, yeah? yeah, all of us. Jesus' response is... Quite straightforward. You unbelieving and perverse generation. <laughs> How many of you like Dr. Jesus' diagnosis? <laughs> now, I've teached this. Twice, like, people, people are offended when I read this out. Say, well, yeah, you, you sure haven't got enough faith? Yep, I am. <clears throat> That's what Jesus said. Unbelief, it pollutes your river. And it stops the life flowing that's meant to exist over there. Unbelief is, is, is an aspect of dance. But what is interesting, he didn't aim it at an individual, okay? That's why it's dangerous when we make it down to one person's fault. If somebody feels the shame or blame upon them, that is also so wrong, so wrong. Right? It's, 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 so it's not one person's fault. He talked about a generation. That's a generation that has a fault. There's a culture of people together who have common thinking... And what it says that they were perverse. Perverse is something that's off track from where it should be. Yeah. And it said that, the, the, that what's taken off track is unbelief. Now, the best example I can give you in the Bible of this is Nazareth. When Jesus went to Nazareth, he couldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because they chose not to believe. They saw the miracles. They acknowledged that he, he, he taught with authority. They said, where did he get this stuff from? And the implication was, he didn't learn it in our synagogue, so we don't like it. We know his mum. We know his brothers. They did an assessment on him according to their previous knowledge. They weren't willing to embrace what he was revealing of himself. And therefore, what he was putting on offer didn't happen. He couldn't do miracles. Is that, do you think? Now, I remember reading that years ago. I thought, Jesus, I never want my church to be like Nazareth. The idea that you couldn't do miracles here frightens me. 
It frightens me that I could, I could put something in the place of people getting what you want to give them. So what my book is all about is actually what is faith? Your enemies of your faith, the things that are going to come against you and how you're going to grow in faith. And there are lots of enemies of faith and there are reasons and it's all in there. Why? God doesn't answer my prayers. Husbands, you need to be nice to your wives. Why? I think it works the other way around. It says, otherwise your prayers will be hindered. Okay, what, say, so what, is it, what's that, hmm, okay, that seems, so, well, what's polluting there? See, it's, the, the, there's not unconditional love being expressed, which is on this side, there's something conditional going on. It's on this side. <clears throat> and we have to, I would say, we have to communally take hold of the fact that we have a polluted river that isn't carrying all the life that it's meant to. Now, fast forward with the River Thames, fast forward with the River Thames, somewhere in my teens, okay, <laughs> There was, there was this news that went out on the national news. And I, and I remember, and people of my generation say, oh, yeah, I remember that day. I can't remember when it was, but it was one of those days that if you were my generation, you remember it because they said they'd found fish in the River Thames. Wow. And, and we go, nah. <laughs> Seriously, we're thinking, what, our Thames, the Thames, fish? It was so, so unbelievable. We thought, no, that time's not what has happened in 1957 was that people have made a concerted effort of addressing all the issues so that the, the river was becoming less polluted. Less polluted. So that, man, we saw some fish. Now, this is like seeing a toenail get healed. You go, yeah, we saw a toenail in our river. <laughs> we haven't healed a cancer yet, but there's a toenail down there. <laughs> A little one, a little. <laughs> and so that, the, the encouragement from, from the fact that there's, 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 there's some life yeah. in the river yeah. was the incentive. You, now, this is, this is a really interesting statistic. The River Thames is now, by some standards, regarded as the cleanest river flowing through a, a major city in the world. Wow. It's now got dolphins in it. Salmon, seahorses, it's got about 250 varieties of, uh, of fish, all sorts of things around the birds, wildlife. What happened? It now carries the life that it was meant to carry because it comes out pure at its source. You see, the, the, the Thames is pure at source. It got contaminated en route when it got to London. It was dead. Now it's been cleaned up. Who cleaned it up? Who cleaned it up? A generation who believed they could make a difference. <laughs> a generation that, we, we're going to do something about this together. I'm not going to throw my plastic bags in it. Yeah. You know, we have the same issues now, you think. Can you, can you honestly say you've not contributed to plastic pollution in this ocean? I can't. Who's going to fix it? I'm going to play my part. Because why? See, we could live in our polluted river, we'll still be saved. Nobody can take away my salvation. Just the world doesn't get the life. If you want to, if you want to love the world, you need to clean your act up. Because if you want to carry the life that is meant to be over here, you, you can't afford to take this stuff with you. 
what I want to tell you is at Eastgate, we're seeing more and more fish. And I've seen that with Joaquin, and I know it's happening here, so I'm not telling you something you don't know, but what I'm saying is I know that I've got more to do. And that what I love is the guy who says, when Jesus is in this story, <coughs> Jesus said, anything is possible for those who believe. But Jesus didn't say, hey guys, you're useless, I'm not, I've given up on you. He didn't. He didn't. He never did that. He said, oh, you couldn't heal. I'm like, oh, you're so bad. I'll go find another 12 disciples. You're useless. I've had you for two years and you still haven't learned how to do that. No. He didn't say that. He said, ah. But what the guy, the guy came and he said, I love this guy. He said, I do believe. I do believe. Help me overcome my... All Christians are a mixture of belief and unbelief. You've got to go get your kids to do. So, so don't condemn yourself on it, all right? But are you willing to address the areas where unbelief is polluting your river? Are we, we've done this at East Case of Church, we're identifying things that is polluting our river. The biggest one that's polluting the river at Eastgate at the moment is individualism. <laughs> the biggest one that's, that's polluting the, the river, I would suggest, <coughs> in the world church at the moment is fear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you can identify them, but you might as well, but you need to identify them. But then, what's interesting, when they cleaned up the Thames, they actually created habitats, habitats where, where the, the new life could grow. We need to create great churches where the river can flow and people find freedom. And you are one such church. Going to be? <laughs> I, I knew you do. January the 3rd, 2015. Lady came to our healing center. That's the place that Luke came to. Okay, that's the that's the healing center Eastgate, and um, she had exactly the same cancer as my mum. Nasty, aggressive cancer. She was already having treatment, chemotherapy. She was due for surgery ten days later on January the thirteenth, where they would open her up and remove as much of the tumor as they could. To, to alleviate the symptoms that she had, but this lady, basically, she was on the same path as my mum. January the 13th is my son's birthday. My son and my, my mum were very close. This lady is facing the exact same fate that my mum had. Seven years, no, nine years previously. So we pray for her. She came to our healing center. She encountered God. She encountered God in an extraordinary way. And then 10 days later, she had surgery. And they opened her up. And they closed her again really quickly. Because she had no cancer.
we won. We didn't see it there. We didn't see it for my mum. We didn't win that battle. But we were going to win the war, I tell you. The disappointment, you have to overcome your disappointments because there's a war to win. And you need to dare to let hope rise in you, not give up. My mum, many other people, we won a victory over a horrible, dark thing, this cancer. <clears throat> and my mum's rejoicing in heaven because she played her part. I'd like you to stand and dare to hope. <clears throat> when I taught you last night, <clears throat> compassion will drive you out to pray for the sick. Therefore, until you get 100% hit rate, disappointment's inevitable. <laughs> talks about a hope that doesn't disappoint and we've got a source of hope hope flows in our river God the source of hope all hope and I want you to dare to hope right now I want you to embrace hope and then I'm going to release the gift of faith because faith is the assurance of things hoped for so you need to give you need to give faith a landing place right now okay you to let hope arise. Just take hold of the ones where it's been so painful. It's okay that it's painful. But say, God, I'm going to trust you again. I'm not going to allow disappointment rule my river. I'm not going to let disappointment keep flowing. But Father, I pray, let hope arise right now in this place. I'm going to write, read out a verse for you. It's in Romans chapter 15. It says this. I pray, receive this, I pray that God, the source of hope. Wow! <laughs> There's the pure source of the river, right? That God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. I want you to make a choice to trust in him once again in those places where you've lost that trust. Be honest, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I, I love you, Jesus, but I've got lost on this one. <coughs> that you may be filled <coughs> completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Because then it says this, then, the outcome then, you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inside you is a powerful river and you need to become confident in who he is. So Father, I release people from the pain of disappointment right now. Wow! Any stronghold of disappointment that has left you disabled in any particular area of your faith. I take authority over that and tell it to be gone in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray, let hope arise. 
Let hope arise. Let hope arise. And Father, now I release the gift of faith into this room. Ho! Faith is a gift and it's coming upon you. My friend over there's got it. Oh, you're having fun already, aren't you? Oh! Father, I pray for the power of faith to be released in this place. Father, I pray for the river of faith to be released in this place. And Father, I pray for a washing away of all contaminants, all, all levels of pollution that would rob us of the life in our river. Oh, Jesus, you're amazing. Father, I pray for asthma to be gone in the name of Jesus. If you've got asthma, just stick your hand in there. Just release the freedom of Jesus over these people with asthma. Whoa! Be free, be free, be free. Whoa! If you've got a bad knee or bad knees, I'm just telling you to be free in Jesus' name. It, it just happens in the river, you see. <laughs> don't have to work at it <clears throat> I just just feel if you've got any symptoms of long COVID God wants you to be set free right now where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom the river carries freedom freedom to be all you've been called to be Father, I pray for celiac disease to be healed in Jesus' name. If you have a, a lifelong or a life-threatening illness, I'd like you to raise your hands. Lifelong or life-threatening illness. Okay, if you're near them, just lay hands on them. Just, just let your life flow through them. Don't focus on their problem. Focusing on the problem doesn't get rid of the problem, by the way, okay? <laughs> Recognize it. Take your authority against every aspect of darkness. We say be free in Jesus' name. You are amazing, God. Is he not amazing? Is he powerful? <laughs> I love, I love him so much and I love the potential of the life that he's given to me I just don't want to contaminate it if I can avoid it Jesus Jesus we recognize the enemies of our faith and we choose to resist them and as we resist the devil, he will flee from us. <clears throat> Father, I come against the spirit of fear that's been assaulting our world. Father, you didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Father, I release the realities of love, power, power, 
and the wisdom of heaven in this place right now. I want you to take hold of all three of those things, love, power, and the wisdom of heaven. And as you, as you live like this in your everyday life, your river's just going to flow. Austin will get changed by people who know how to live in the river, not just dance in it on a Sunday. I like dancing in it on a Sunday. So don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, tomorrow morning, I'm still going to be in the river. <laughs> he doesn't leave me. He doesn't leave me. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you very much. I'll hand over to these guys because I know they're still going to get done. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.